reading from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, asking, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. The Gospel of the Lord. Uh, I've, I've had comments <laughs> that are really interesting that during the sermon, and, and you guys know in, in the congregation, that when the pastor says something, you go, dang, dude, he's talking to me. And why is he looking at me? And I've had people come up to me and say, why did you look at me when you said this? <laughs> and I go, because the, con- the, the auditorium is not that big and I have to look somewhere. <laughs> it's this way or this way. That's about it. You know, I can't go, well, here, here. So I thought, wow, this is going to be interesting because I'm not going to have eye contact with anybody. And the good thing about this is when you're a preacher, you're preaching it, and you really don't listen to other sermons. And so a few, uh, last week, I had a gentleman in my recalibration team that has a gift of prophetic speaking. And uh, I just got so nervous. I go, don't go prophetic on me. Please don't go prophetic on me. Because sometimes you don't want to hear from God, right? Because you already know what God's put on your heart and to do. And so you just don't want somebody to say, because you know that's God using that person. So I'm avoiding all this conversation. I'm talking about light stuff, anything. Sports. I don't even like sports. I'll talk about sports. (laughs) And so sure enough, the conversation starts going. And dang, the dude hit it right on. And I just go, you've got to be kidding me. Because it confirmed already what the Lord has been telling me to do in 2019. And so obedience, to me, is not necessarily worldly success. What obedience is, being obedient, following what God has put on your heart. And, uh, and so one of the things is, is I'm seeking this year is complete healing on my body. And I'm, going to have, I'm starting to have faith that I will continue to seek doctors, but I will, cons- I will consider 
seeking people of incredible faith that are really gifted in healing. And so this Thursday, I'm going to somebody in a church in Santa Monica that's really gifted in healing prayer. And I'm going to ask them to pray for my tremor because I've had this tremor for 49 years. And so if it happens, it happens. You said you have a seed of a mustard, uh, faith as a mustard seed. And I, I just pray, if I'm encouraging you as a church to live by faith, I need to live by faith, right? I can't be teaching you something that I'm not applying to my own self. So let, let me pray, and I just give you some insight on what's going in my heart. And uh, so if this convicts you, and I, I know it will in some of you, I promise I won't look at you. <laughs> okay? I'll look up here and do this. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for just being you. We thank you for your patience. We thank you for just loving us. And I just pray during this next few minutes that you will just fill me with your Holy Spirit. We just thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Have you ever had one of those moments that you, of clarity in your life? That an event happened that all of a sudden you weren't sure about life, you weren't sure what to do in life, and all of a sudden there was a light bulb situation that you go, this is clear what I need to do. It's called an aha moment. Now, the problem is that many of us have these aha moments or what we call these epiphanies in life, but we're not sure what to do with them because all of a sudden it, it requires courage, and yet we don't do what those epiphanies tell us to do because we have such a strong fear and doubt in us. And I'm finding out in order to live by faith, it requires to have doubt. Because if you don't have doubt, then you live with certainty, not by faith, right? So I would assume that, because I still have doubt in 2019, what God's put on my heart, and I still have fear. But in order to live by courage, we move with the fear, and we move with the doubt. That was my epiphany. And so two and a half years ago, and we were doing really well numerically. We were running three services, 6 o'clock on Saturday service and 9 o'clock at 1045. We just had 300 plus on Easter Sunday, and that was late that year, and it was in April. And in May, I really felt the Holy Spirit's presence cease. And I was telling people, what is happening? Something's going on with this church. And so I called the church in prayer, and I said, you know what? We're going to pray for the month of October, which was two years ago, and we're still, that group is still praying on Thursdays. And so I had an epiphany, a moment, that the Lord needed to restore me in order to restore others. And that's where that saying, restored, in order to restore and I realized that a lot of you have issues with the church. And I have issues with the church too, hurts with the church. And the Lord needed to focus on that. And the Lord told me in that epiphany that basically I need two years to heal. I need two years to gain that joy back in my life. I need to learn to forgive my dad. I need to learn to forgive people 
within the church. I need to forgive the church. I need the joy back in my life. And so when I had another epiphany, it took courage that I said, okay, I really believe the Lord's telling me to go down to three services to one service. And I lost a bunch, boatload of people. Sometimes those epiphanies in life take you out of that comfort zone, don't they? Where it doesn't make any sense because you're going to lose a lot when you obey and follow those aha moments that you have in life. Fascinating to me that, that it was clear the two years of restoration for me ended in October. And I still need to be restored, but I have the joy back in my life. There's no bitterness or resentment towards the church, my dad, my brother, a lot of people that I had. So the Lord put clear, starting last October, that this church congregation will do two years of restoration. We all need to be restored. We all need joy back in our lives. And so in January, I'm meeting with the church board, two meetings. One, we're hearing a presentation from the Santa Monica Housing about uh, affordable housing put on this property with affiliation with this church. Then the next week, we're going to meet with, uh, it's called um, uh, Citizens of the World School that said they would build a brand new gymnasium and multi-level parking. And part of this is that our church would own a coffee shop two-story buildings here for fellowship center offices and stuff, and this whole sanctuary will be completely restored. And brand new bathrooms that you actually can fit in. <laughs> okay? I've seen the property. And so after the two years, then we'll begin the two years of restoration of the property. It's a multi-million dollar budget. And so this is scary stuff for me because we've never done this. But this restored in order to restore for property, the congregation, and your pastor in a six-year period is incredible. And so the reason I'm talking about this today is it's January 6th. January 6th is the last day of the Christian calendar Christmas season. It's known as the Epiphany season, the Epiphany day, about Epiphanies. And it's interesting, this is why it's called Epiphany, because this is when we celebrate the wise men introduced to Jesus Christ, the non-Jews, the Gentiles to Jesus. So Epiphany is the day when we focus on the good news of God's salvation through Jesus Christ to be revealed into this world. So a lot of people think Epiphany is a manifestation, and that's a good translation. Some of them think it, uh, uh, Epiphany is a word appearance. But if you look at the Greek, and this is where pastors talk about this. I just read notes. I know. But if you look at the Greek into to the English translation, it simply means epiphany is having an aha moment. That's what it's like. And so epiphanies are really where they completely change the outlook on how you see life, completely change the direction of your entire life, that all of a sudden you cannot go back once you have an epiphany, once you have these aha moments in life. And so this, to me, it changes the outlook of my life and your life as well. But surprisingly, that the fact is, I believe that if you're a true follower of Jesus Christ, that you have to have had an epiphany. I don't mean a major epiphany, but a little epiphanies. That all of a sudden, 
Jesus can change the entire outlook of your life by just putting on a light and you go, I get it now. And I'm never going to go back because I had this incredible experience through Jesus. And so this is interesting because I love Paul in the Bible. And Paul wrote 12, 13 books of the Bible. I'm not sure, but he wrote a lot of them. And, and, and he had the most incredible epiphany on the planet. He was formerly known as Saul. And he did not like people that followed Jesus Christ. He was known as a Pharisee. And so he would held, hold the cloaks of the people that would beat the crap out of the Christians. He did not like the followers of Jesus because he was raised as a religious man, one that followed, followed the rules to the T, and so therefore he hated, and I'm not saying disliked, he hated the followers of Jesus. Follow me on this on the screen. In the meantime, Saul kept up his violent threats of murder against the followers of the Lord. He went to the high priest. He asked for letters of introduction into the synagogues in Damascus so that he should find that he should find there any followers of the way of the Lord. He would be able to arrest them, both men and women, and bring them back to Jerusalem. As Saul was coming near to the city of Damascus, suddenly a light from the sky flashed around him, and he fell to the ground, and he heard this voice saying, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He goes, who are you, Lord? He asks, I am Jesus, whom you persecute. Let me give you some insight on Saul. He thought he was doing God's will. He thought he was right. I am doing God's will. That's why I'm destroying these followers of Jesus. But all of a sudden, that he has this incredible aha moment with Jesus. That all of a sudden, not only did he do a 180, because a lot of us do 360s, don't we, after all hot moments. We go, oh, and then we're back to the same one. And so, therefore, he was the biggest persecutor of Christians to the biggest promoter of Christians. It's crazy how all of a sudden this thing, it just altered his completely life and changed all his priorities. And so, therefore, I look at this and going into 2019, and I say, okay, how did Paul respond to this situation? What do we need to do as a church, as a pastor, as a husband, as a son, as a friend? The first thing I'll put on the screen is seeing the light. Sometimes we use this in a negative way. You got to see the light, dude. You got to be knocked out. You got to do something. And the thing is, he saw the light. This is where the judgmental, I don't know, I was asked if the word judgmentalism is a real word. It sounds like one, doesn't it? Let's use it as a real word. The judgmentalism of Paul, of Saul, he stopped judging. He stopped it. He was judging all kinds of non-Jews and really hated them, and his judgment stopped. There's so much judgment in our society right now. There's so much political judgment going on. And then all of a sudden, this aha moment that he began to stop judging the people that he was judging and started loving them and started showing the love of Christ. And so he realized that salvation wasn't just for the ones that obeyed the Jewish laws, but salvation was much bigger than he could ever imagine. That Jesus loves and God loves everybody that he cares about everybody, 
So here's a 180 degree that this dude took. In Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 2, he goes, surely you have heard that God in his grace, and this is what, what did I just snort? I just snorted, didn't I? I have never snorted during a sermon. This is a rough year, isn't it? It's only the first Sunday here. Okay, follow me. Look, you have to bring attention to it because people are thinking about it. Surely you have heard that God in his grace has given me this work to do for your good. God revealed his secret plan and made it known to me. It has written briefly about this, and if you read what I have written, you can learn about my understanding of the secret of Christ. In the past times, human beings were not told the secret, but God has revealed it now by the spirit of his holy apostles and prophets. The secret is that by means of the gospel, the Gentiles have part of the Jews in God's blessing. They are members of the same body and share in the promise that God made through Christ Jesus. This guy had a deep resentment to non-Jews. But now he's saying the gospel and the love is for everybody, and they are going to be blessed as we're going to be blessed. If we follow Paul, it will be the end of racism, if you think about it. Because he's saying everyone's equal. And this was mind-blowing back in those days, because God radically gave grace to the people that he did not like, that weren't like him. And so Jesus Christ was truly amazing, that man he could love. And so when we understood what Jesus Christ did on the cross for you and me, there's where it gets deep. Because Paul saw this light, yet God saved him, and the dude could not shut up. You know, the thing is, it's interesting. When you have a life dramatic change in your life, all of a sudden you can't shut up about that change. Because it saved you. You look up people that change their diets, and all of a sudden their, their diabetes stopped, their blood pressure stopped. They are an evangelist. They are just singing on the top of the world and, and stuff like that. When you hear somebody, you know, this church, I love this church. <laughs> you know how many times people give me marijuana? Because marijuana has helped them. And the worst where I thought I was going to hell when I was sitting there, and you, whoever you were, was in the line of communion and just... <laughs> True story. Happened twice. I got a whole house full of marijuana, you know, because of you guys. Because you're avid to believe that, look, this can help your tremor. This can help you. You know, it's, it's the mo you know, your motivation. You know, the thing is, I could lose my ordination if they knew I was on marijuana, which I'm not. And so, so there. <laughs> God's going to heal me this year. I believe that. And so, why do I go off on things? We're not going to put this on the internet. Okay. <laughs> so that's. If you listen to this on the internet, it will be silence every once in a while. But I wonder if 
if we as a church were so enthusiastic as Paul was for Christ, what can we do in this community? If we stop judging one another and love one another, what can this do? I heard of three people that stopped in front of our church and took a picture in front of her son. Isn't that interesting? Ray, who goes to our church, somebody stopped him at Alvera Street. He goes, I've never seen a shirt like that. What is your church? No judgment, just love. This is what Paul preaches. This is what Jesus preaches. doesn't mean we don't have a backbone. It doesn't mean we don't believe in the conviction of the Holy Spirit. But that's his job, isn't it? God's job is to judge. Holy Spirit's job is to convict. My job is to be like Christ in love and care. And so do we forget how important God's grace is? Can you imagine this year if we have, if we embrace these aha moments that we're going to have or we've had in life, then the second thing starts as we begin to share the light. We have no problem sharing things that we're enthusiastic about, are we? We have no problem sharing about, look, I don't know what you believe in God, but I know through Jesus Christ I am I'm who I am now through the grace of God. Nobody can argue with your story. Nobody can. No, you're not. Nobody can say that. Guys, if you knew me in my hospital visit since I was a kid with a learning disability and physical disability, it is a miracle that I'm up here. There is no way that our society, our world, would give me a chance God did. God opened the doors when religion did not. <laughs> I was given this church to fail because they wanted to sell the property. Well, that's an evil laugh, whoever laughs at <laughs> Oh, that was you, Al. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, Al knows exactly where I went because he was part of that 20 years ago. But now we're restoring the property. We're on our way. And so it takes time. And so I often wonder. In fact, it says, sharing the light in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 7 and 8, I was made a servant of the gospel of God's special gift. This is Paul. Which he gave me through the working of the, his power. I am less than the least of all of God's people. And this is a lot of translation says, he says, I am the worst sinner. I'm the worst. <laughs> so if you think you're the worst sinner, Paul already claimed it. God gave me this privilege of talking to the Gentiles the good news about the infinite riches of Christ. Paul saw the privilege. He saw the privilege to share about Jesus. He saw the privilege. And this is where... <laughs> that the evangelicals need to understand this. And this is what frustrates me in the world. We want to be identified with the gospel, not with politics. The gospel is known as the good news about Jesus Christ. And so, therefore, that's our message. And that needs to be our message. And so, I, 
so as we move on, the question is, have you had an epiphany? I honestly believe, but what the Holy Spirit is telling me now, that I honestly believe many of you have had epiphanies but never done anything about it. That you've had an aha moment, and it was from God, which is scary. You don't want to do it because you're afraid to lose something that's causing you pain. You hear me? Because we hold on to bitterness and resentment or stuff like that because we say we have a right to do this. And so therefore we are getting angry and more bitter and more resentful. It's time to let it go. Because there's no way that I can focus on revenge and bitterness and the joy of the Lord. I can't do it. Well, I tried. Oh, I tried. It just doesn't work. And so do we believe? And let me give you an epiphany. You are a sinner like me. Without God's grace, you, are, you and I are lost. We can keep trying over our own to get it together, but we are going to, keep, going to keep failing. That's why we need help. We need Jesus. Andre Crouch, remember him? <laughs> I love Andre Crouch. Jesus is the answer for the world to see. No other way but Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer for the world today. That's a beautiful song. I'm butchering it, but it's a beautiful song. Jesus is the answer. When that was written in the early 1970s, it's still relevant today. Jesus is the answer for you. Number two, while we were yet sinners, Jesus died to cleanse us from our sins. Number three, while we were still dead in our sins, Jesus Christ rose from the grave. And through faith in him, we have, have a new life in him too. And number four, do you believe in Jesus enough to leave your sinful patterns behind, be, behind and start following Jesus? This is my old life. This is my life of resentment. This is my life of what people have, have labeled me. You know, I was called, and I still struggle with this, I was called the albino nigger because of my lips. White school. I was called the N word. That still locks my head. I've got to release that. That was junior high. I'm 56. I've got to let things go. And you've got to let things go of the resentment towards the church or your ex or, or your parents or whatever. You've got to move. I got to move. I want to pray for us. I want to pray that 2019, that not goal-oriented, but you-oriented, which means that you're going to have a stronger relationship with Christ at the end of the year. Because you will go through a tough time. 2019 is not going to be perfect because it never is. But you will know the presence of God with you. And that that presence of God will allow you to stay humble. And allow you to be excited about what Christ is doing in your life. That you can be so excited about, yes, I'm going through some difficult times. But I know without a doubt 
that I'll be a stronger person through this, that I'll be more humble through this, that I'll be a woman, a man of God, that my marriage will be stronger than ever before without, with the absence of pride in that, with the absence of bitterness or absence of resentment in that. So let me pray. Do you mind if we stand? And I'm just going to pray, and I, I wrote it out, and I'm going to pause in, in a moment. Lord, thank you for sending your son Jesus to show me the light. I thank you that he gave his life for me on the cross. I accept the forgiveness that is available to me by his sacrifice. Forgive me for the ways that I have lived selfishly and harmed myself and others. I reject this destructive way of life. I believe that Jesus rose again to give me a new start and a new life. From now on, with your help, I will follow Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. This year, for this church, and thank you for coming to church every Sunday this year. I'm, that just shows commitment to you. Thank you. 100%. You know that. You can go back and put it on Facebook. I've been to church every Sunday this year. Look at me. But my encouragement to you guys, the ones that have had epiphanies, go for it. Go for it. Because epiphany from the Lord requires humility. It requires a complete direction of life. It requires the steps of faith. It requires to let go of stuff that's hindering your growth. Because 2019, in 2019, my prayer for me is that I'll be free from health problems. And that I'll be free from emotional problems. I won't be perfect. Because, you know, there's some stuff will give me emotional problems this year and stuff like that. But I've got, I want to live free. I'm, I'm too old to be bitter. You know that? I just don't have the time. It's not on my schedule anymore to say, look, oh, I got six hours on Thursday to hate someone. <laughs> I'm not going to put it on my schedule anymore because it saps my joy. It saps my joy. It affects my marriage. When I'm running around complaining about somebody, I just need to pray. May the Lord bless you, and may the Lord bless his word. God bless you.